When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 87 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me via Zoom, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, buddy? We here. Zoom, Zoom, we Zoom. Are. It's like Mazda. Yeah, man. <laughs> Except I prefer American vehicles. Yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a low blow. That was a low blow. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. My mom worked for GM for 30 years. Yeah. Know? Well, that's a good reason to want to uh, go towards the American vehicle, my man. That's right. That's right. It's been instilled in me, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So what's oh. new, buddy? Oh, nothing, man. Getting some stuff done around the house. My daughter turned one. That's exciting. It's exciting. That's exciting. Doing a it. little fishing, not doing any turkey hunting, man. It's been so damn hot. It's just so... I have no motivation to go out and just sweat my, you know, sweat my butt off out there. Mm-hmm. Just it, It's been so bad, man. I feel like they're not even moving or anything either. Basically, what I've been doing lately is I've been hunting them until about 7 to maybe 7.30 mm-hmm. in the morning. If I get them off the roost, great. If not, just I'm leaving because, one, I got to work in the morning during the week. But, two, it just seems like like last Saturday I went out with Joe and um, his gun misfired twice on a bird at 20 yards. That's off unreal. The roost. Yeah, and uh, ever since that point, though, I mean, it just went super quiet. We hunted almost till 1 o'clock. And we didn't hear another goblin bird after that. We went to a few properties, some good ones too. And it was just like, it's so hot. It's getting in, it's tapping into the eighties. And then everything is so green right now in our woods. It's insane. So you got to find the right woods too, because a lot of the stuff these birds are in, they don't want to be in it very, you know, very long Mm -hmm. until they get out into open areas or something they're more comfortable in. Especially today, this morning, I was just telling you about the hunt I went on. 
the birds were up in the tree especially long and i should have figured that because everything on the ground was wet it rained yesterday um, those birds were probably trying to dry off up in the tree catch that sunlight as it came up over the hill yep and i did not think about that with where they were roosting and put it in perspective because they were so far away when i made a move on them i busted them out of the roost at like 6 30 because i've been hunting this bird for about a month off and on we've probably went after him four times now um and he's been on the ground before six o'clock every single down every single time yeah so it just threw it threw me off but it just when it's that green there's that much stuff you they probably don't want to be on the ground touching their feathers on it they they don't like that stuff they don't like the high green grass the high foliage one they can't see and two it's touching them they're they don't like to be wet yeah so yeah that's tough man i have a hard time getting out in the morning like that like i have to be at work ready to go at seven o'clock so if I don't have one like dead at six thirty and like heading back to my yeah. truck, I I just can't make it happen and like I used to. Yeah, I mean it's still tough even to do that. And uh I mean we've gotten a couple but by, by like six thirty this year, but it's so tough, man. You you gotta figure them out. You gotta know exactly where they're at, you gotta get in tight and things just have to play out the right way to do it that way. And for me I've been working at home a lot, so basically hunt up until about seven, seven thirty. Yep. And then I can hustle home. That's what's nice about some of the local properties that I have with birds on them because I can get home quick enough. Yep. No, but totally, man. Totally. It's almost over, man. Uh, our last day is actually Monday, Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hopefully I'm going to be season. able to get out last day, which that's kind of what I'm betting on, well, hoping for at least. Yeah, I'm hoping so as well. Uh, so as we sit right now, it's Thursday night. This is not the date our podcast, but... It's Thursday night. We have Friday, 10 chance of rain tomorrow. Yep. Rain tonight. Uh, Saturday, rain high of 50. And then can hunt Sunday. And then we have Monday, which looks nice, high of 72, low of about 51. Yep, yep. So that morning should be popping. It might be gnarly. That's what I'm kind of kind of hoping for. Yeah. But just got to we'll find see, a man. bird, man. You just got to find a bird. I've, I got a couple. I got like, I got my eye on a couple. They're real sporadic, though. That's the only issue. Like, if I play my cards right, they'll be there. If not, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a couple of properties. I know there's turkey. Um, I just don't know where they're roosting right now. They are, not, they are not roosting in any of the spots they were at yet last year, which is super weird. Yeah. So they're roosting somewhere completely different. I haven't figured out yet. I've only been once, in all fairness. I think Joe was there once. Yep. Um, after the roost, so he wouldn't know. And uh, that's it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe one last go Yeah. Monday morning. Well, you know what's so crazy about this time of year? You know, even if you just look at what our weather's supposed to be these next couple of days, high of 53, it was 88 degrees yesterday. It was in the 80s mm-hmm. today. You know, we have such a fluctuation in the, in the temperature. That's why we use Gree Gear. Correct. You need that layering system, man. You, those mornings, they're nice and chilly. You, you know, you bundle up just a little bit. Not not too bad. It's not super cold. But, you know, if you're just sitting there, you get that little little bit of nip. And then once it starts warming up, you start shedding layers. You get a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter, and there you go, man. There's a couple key pieces for my system that I'm using currently that I really appreciate. One is the base layers. I'm always rocking the 150 bottoms and tops. Today, I actually with the 150 short sleeve top, which is amazing. Um, if you just don't prefer long i love long sleeves i've been wearing the crap out of mine but i had to uh, finally put them through the wash because i went through something nasty and got some kind of 
itchy something inside of it. So I went to short sleeve today. I love it, man. I love it. I I, I matched that with the the light season jacket that they offer as well. Yep. But the other item, the the base layers, because what's nice is you can double up your base layers or you go with that vest. That vest right now, that vest is money, man. Oh, that vest, buddy. We actually just had that on our Instagram story. Yes. That, that, that vest is, is legitimate. <laughs> the best part about it, it's easy on and off, right? You take it off, you mm-hmm. pack it in your pack, put it in the back of your turkey vest, whatever. You know, like you're saying for the mornings when it's cold, if it's 40 degrees, like we've seen a lot here, you throw that vest on the midday, you know, if you're switching spots or you're just getting up to move, take that vest off, shed it, throw it in your pack, and keep going. Yeah, I know I'm a vest guy, man. I, I really appreciate stuff like that. But the vest we're talking about, guys, it's the hard scrabble. It is available in Summit and both Solus. And, man, it is just, it's freaking awesome. But, you know, Chuck, speaking of scree gear... Who do we have on the episode today, man? We have Mr. Locke Wheeler, who uh, we're going to find out a lot more about what his role with Gear is, but he is one of the main people that when I got into Scree, um, he was one of the main people I kind of leaned on. So um, I'm very excited for this episode. The guy is super knowledgeable about turkey, so I want to pick his brain a little bit there. Kind of maybe just a little, just a little. Just a little. But then... Uh, I, I really want to screw gear talk with him because I think this whole episode is going to be kind of uh, geared towards that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's get that guy on. All right. All right, guys. So we are here with Locke Wheeler. Uh, he's been on a previous episode with us where we got talking back then about Turkey and a little bit about his podcast and some of the things he does. Today, we want to recap Turkey season with him, but then we're going to get into something a little bit more spicy. We're going to talk about Scree Gear. Locke is a content creator or digital marketing person for Scree. And I think he's going to be the perfect person to have on to really break down this whole layering system and everything that we preach week to week. So, yeah, Locke, buddy, how you been, man? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Just kind of wrapping up the springtime and not really looking forward to summer, but I guess we're going to do it one way or the other, so. (laughs) <laughs> preparing for the preparing for that time of the year i guess yeah man yeah, totally man. i can't believe that uh turkey season is pretty much come and gone it seems like you anticipate it for such a long period of time and then when it hits everything moves so quickly you yeah, kind of lose does. that moment it absolutely does this year it was it was sped up even more for me this year because i didn't really have as much of the grind my, my turkey season was more broken up into kind of scheduled trip scheduled blocks of time where i could hunt instead of just in years past it's been a you know a, a start to kind of grind like getting them in and hunting and on the road and at home both just kind of grinding out day after day after day and just a day off here and there and now this year it was a lot more uh scheduled you know i scheduled to hunt two or three days to you know go to this location go to that location and a lot of days off in between just through my personal schedule and um other things that i was doing this spring so it's kind of one of those things where I line the season out and you start to, you know, you have, you know, have this trip and, or you have these days you hunt. And then before you know it, you look up and you only got a couple more, more things on the calendar and then it's over. And so it went by really fast for me this year, faster than I ever remember. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, man. I anticipated it. We had our first out of state trip plan for late April to Oklahoma. And once that trip hit and ended, 
it seems like the rest is just a blur for me. West Virginia, PA, it was a great season. I will say I probably got out less this year than the previous two years, and either myself or whoever I was with, we killed a lot more birds this year than any year prior, which was pretty pretty intense. It was amazing to just kind of pick and choose those prime times to go and then just get it done. But um, So where did your whole season start, Locke? So uh, I'm in the south uh, for, for people that may not have listened to the previous episode. I'm in, I live in Louisiana, but I'm right near the Mississippi border and I'm from Mississippi. And so our seasons are a lot earlier. Uh, Mississippi gets started and well, the, the youth hunt is in early March, like March 8th, 9th-ish. And the, the regular season opens up on March the 15th. And so I did not go down to South Texas or to Florida for those first of March dates. I, uh, I started in Mississippi and then Louisiana and opens up right, right after that kind of late March, first part of April. So I did. And you know, you say that and I, I, I hunted, uh, I made a hunt in, in Mississippi the first week of the season, but. After that, I really didn't hunt much in the South. I hunted around the house a few days. I had the opportunity in Louisiana earlier April, but uh, most of my, as far as the bulk of the days I hunted was in Missouri and Kansas, Nebraska, and up in there around the Midwest. And actually, one thing I did different this year than I've done previously is uh, I went up to Kansas April the 1st for the youth hunt because my finally old enough to kind of make a trip that far away. And a friend of mine who has a son the same age, they're both 12 years old. So we went up there for the youth, the youth opener and hunted those three days, the first three days. A lot of fun. Different. I've never been up there that early in the season. We were successful. Both boys were able to kill a bird. And, uh, so that, that was a lot of fun. I, I actually didn't kill a turkey down south until the end of the season. And, and I didn't hunt very many days down here, but I uh, called one up for my son towards the end of the year. So, um, uh, you know, it's kind of, I was kind of scattershot. I had a lot of turkey season going on, but I didn't hunt a whole lot at home. Kind of like I said, I had those dates planned for, for out of state. And that's, that's kind of yeah. where I spent most of my days in, in the woods. Yeah. That's real interesting. How, how did you, uh, how did the birds act when you were up in Kansas early in the year? Were they really flocked up or how, how was their behavior up there? What challenges did you, did you guys face? Yeah. It, they were now. One thing that was really good for us, as I guess with, with any, any trip you make, we had good weather, you know, um, yeah. and so when you're in that kind of in that in between time of the year where it's early or, or even when it's late and things aren't really hot and heavy, uh, really good weather can kind of tilt things in your favor and make them maybe better than they are on an average day. And that's kind of what we experienced is we had really good weather. And so even though it was early and they were flocked up, uh, there were a lot of birds active and gobbling later in the morning than they normally would that early in the year. And, and, and we, we had, we had good hunts. Now they were flocked up. Like you said, uh, one of the other positives that, that we had going for us was the, where we were hunting, there was a lot of turkeys. And so essentially the first bird we killed the first morning, we, uh, the, 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 the boy that was with us, not my son, but our friend, he, he was the first shooter and he killed his, his turkey on our first morning, uh, not long after daylight, really just, uh, just, just off the limb, turkey flew down. And, and that was a, a, was, I guess what you would call a satellite bird. Um, so, you know, we set up on a group of turkeys and they were flocked up three or four birds gobbling with a bunch of hens 
And as the as, as the sun started to come up and everything came to life, there were a lot of turkeys around us gobbling that weren't necessarily roosting in there with that big flock and didn't fly down with that big flock. And so we just kind of held our ground and were patient. And even though that big flock kind of came, they did the normal thing. You know, they came close. They wanted to come, but they weren't going to come without the hens. So they get closed and give you a lot of excitement, and they eventually kind of fade away. But in that process, one of those birds that's off by itself, he, you know, comes flipping in, and and so that that's how our first hunt unfolded. And and to be honest with you, there were there were several birds like that in, on that farm that morning, and we actually could have killed two, uh, not at the same time, but we shot the bird. And I ran out in the decoys and got him, and there was another turkey goblin, and we sat there and watched, and he was coming across the field. And my son, 12 years old, he, I said, what do you want to do? You know? And he said, uh, Daddy, I didn't drive 10 hours to hunt one morning. <laughs> so let's go back to the lodge and eat some breakfast and so we can hunt again tomorrow. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they only get one tag, and I was like, well, and my son's killed a couple of birds, and, and he's been fortunate enough, you know, where we live to, to have a lot of turkey hunting, so um he's got you know he knows what it's all about he's he's had uh, uh, i guess a lot of experience for a hunter his age so he said yeah man we drove 10 hours i want to hunt a couple of days you know so the next day uh we we ended up the next hunt was completely different the bird he killed uh we had the same kind of morning where we got in on a bunch of birds but we didn't have that kind of success uh, we got really close, we couldn't get a bird in gun range, and we messed around all day with, with several different birds, and they were all flocked up, like you said, early season. Goblin, you know, here, long periods of time where, they, where they're with the hens and they get quiet, and then you strike one up and they gobble a little bit, just can't get one's attention, can't get one by itself. And then, uh, Finally, in the afternoon, I, I found two birds in the back of a corner of a field, and they were by themselves, and we were able to come around the way the land lay, we were able to come around the back side of that field where where an old cow pond uh, cornered up in on the fence there. So we were able to use that levee to sneak up there and get close. And I, we just set up on the back side of that, that levee where they couldn't see us. We really got in there within, I don't know, probably 75 to 100 yards of that corner that they were, that they were feeding in. And just started yelping, you know, just kind of, just uh, some curious kind of yelping. And with them being by themselves, I felt like uh, there was a good chance we were the right move. It wasn't long. They, they blew up and struck, started gobbling. He was able to take one of those birds. So, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We faced a lot of the same stuff. Uh, a lot of gobbling in the tree. And then when they hit the ground, maybe a couple times here and there. But, uh, to exactly the same point you're mentioning, when we got that good weather day, those birds hit the ground and then they just talked and talked and talked and, and they wanted to play at that point. And, uh, when we were in Oklahoma, that's exactly what it came down to. The first day was a horrible weather day. Second day was kind of cool, crisp in the morning, beautiful blue skies. I mean, those birds were just letting loose. And then we were able to call a whole bunch in and end up shooting some. But, um, I mean, that, that weather, like you said, it just plays such a different role. We've been seeing it here right now where it's been really, really hot. Uh, you know, almost 70 degrees when waking up in the morning. And that's just kind of unreasonable for our area or it's not the norm i guess and it seems like you kind of have to get them off the roost or else that's yeah. it um you know they're talking when they hit the ground they're talking a little bit but they're still hand up and uh it, it's just weird i guess it's been a weird year 
were a weird couple weeks. Uh, the last, the first two weeks were absolutely amazing. We had great weather. It was, you know, cold in the mornings, probably mid thirties, low forties, heat up to like sixties. Now it's been just so hot. It's like they're, they don't want to do much for very long. Yeah. I, I think it bears mentioning, you know, like for, for where we are hunting in Kansas and a lot of the Midwest is this way. In my experience, some of Oklahoma is this way too. There's always a lot of wind. Um, yeah. And the problem with the early season is if you're just looking at strategy and you're looking at the the odds, you know, how to play the odds, when you're hunting the earlier season birds, whether it's really early like youth season or even just early in the opener, uh, the name of the game is, is, is where where you get because you don't have a lot of those birds that are going to break and just come to you that are going to be a lot more versatile, I guess you would say, or flexible, maybe is a better word to use, in terms of they're really fired up. And if you strike them and, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can set up and kill those birds, you don't have a lot of those birds in front of you. And when you have the weather that keeps them a vocal, and also you don't have the extremely high winds, it gives you more ability in that open country and that kind of stuff to be able to stay on them and figure out how to get in the right spot because you're just not simply going to be able to uh, have the flexibility to, to strike a bird that's so hot he's going to come across any field or, or you know, cross anything and that, that kind of thing. All those things just play into it. And it, it, it always is just it's maddening when you know they're there and you either can't hear them or they're not vocal, uh, whether it's a bad weather day from the perspective that it's really windy and you can't hear them. And so you really take advantage of it. And because that's the name of the game, you know, if that's, if, if that's the, the type of landscape you're hunting in, and, um, that's what we were able to do. Like I said, we were able to, to move around and find these birds and get in the place that we need to get into. And had it been kind of a different situation, where the birds weren't as vocal, you know, we may have unknowingly bumped birds and things and not been able to get in a place that you simply don't know and can't get yeah. close enough to know where they're at and make the right move. That was, that was, um, that was kind of the story for Kansas. A lot of, a lot of good fortune, you know, hey, you know, you, you schedule the hunt and, uh, it's a <laughs> luck of the draw really on the weather and when it's good, you, uh, you gotta hunt hard and, and do your thing and that's where it would do. So. Oh, yeah, you can't play in the weather, that's for sure. But it is nice when they talk because sometimes, especially in that open country, when you're putting a stock on them, a lot of times you're in an area where you can't see the birds anymore for an extended period of time to, to advance on them. you got to kind of know if they're moving around a little bit, if they're not talking, you know, and they move even 100 yards or 50 yards, the difference between bumping a bird or, you know, potentially killing a bird. Um, and it's nice when they talk. I mean, nobody likes to hunt a, a bird that doesn't talk to, to start, in my opinion. No, it, it definitely, it, it, it's a different hunt. If, if, mm-hmm. if they're not vocal, it's, uh, you know, I, my opinion is really not that fun. <laughs> and without the, without the gobbling interaction and, and then of course the strategy that goes along with that, we're calling to them and figuring out how to set up and how to call to them and all, all that. That's what makes their game so fun. You know, there's not a hundred the horns on his head. You know, there's really not even that much of an age structure kind of thing like we do with managing white sales. It, it, it's a it's an interaction kind of thing, and that's what makes it so exciting. So yeah, I you know I I kind of even I, I lend myself to the to the kind of the the theory, the practice of early in the year. Um, 
I buy my time a little. You know, I don't I don't pressure birds when I'm disadvantaged due to the weather and things. I just don't do it because the odds aren't there. The hunt's not going to be what I want, and I'd rather wait and have that beautiful day where everything really comes together the way I want it to. Because, uh, you know, to your point, it's so much more enjoyable that way. And then, secondly, um, you're not in there two or three days before when it's windy and rainy, and the birds know you're there and pressuring them and making it even harder when the when the conditions are better. So, uh, I definitely uh, try to buy my time a little bit on those early season hunts. Yeah, it's all about the experience. We talk about it on here a lot. You know, with turkey, it's, it's about the experience. You want the full experience when you're going after them. The goblin turkey comes in and everything else, talking to them, interacting. That's what we love. But I, I kind of want to touch one more thing on turkey, and then we can switch uh switch gears, discreet gear. But I want to get your opinion on on something that, that came up because you, know, you have a youth hunter and your son, and, and you know, you've guided youth hunters. So I want to know what your opinion is. Pennsylvania has a youth season that is one day. It's a Saturday. You have you can hunt till noon, and that's it. That's our youth season. It's one day till noon, and we're done. Now, you mentioned like Kansas three-day hunt with youth. I'm sure in the South, I think there's a little bit more of an extended youth season. Do you think, um, you know, and I'm sure Pennsylvania does it because I, I know a lot of birds do die in that youth season day. But do you think just for the good of our sport and for, you know, trying to get youth involved, could they open it to a three-day season? Or do you think it's, you know, a good idea that they keep it to one day? Yeah, that's a complicated conversation. <laughs> it has a lot of tentacles that go in a lot of directions. And so, <laughs> you know, to touch on the last part of what you said, there is obviously um, a need for us to, to pass on our tradition and, and our sport to the youth. You know, they're they're the holders of the future and so there's something to be said for that, no doubt. Now, from just strictly a turkey, you know, uh, biology and conservation and all that kind of, you know, the growing trend, and if you, you know, on my podcast, Strutcast podcast, I spent a lot of time this year talking to uh, biologists from different yep. states, from the NWCF, and I really wanted to do that because it's a hot topic across the country in many, many different, I'm not even going to say many states, in all states. Um, the science and the research behind conservation and how we keep the sport not just sustainable but growing and all that kind of thing, it's a hot topic. We're learning things that, you know, it's always surprising to me how when you watch Dr. Uh, Brett Collier and, and Dr. Michael Chamberlain and some of these leading um, science in the field, it's amazing to me, given the advancement um, of science in other areas, how much we're learning about turkeys in 2021, when you would think, just given what we know about white tail deer and what we know about nature and biology already, that we're just now learning some of these things about turkeys, and it's it's 2021, right? Um, but in doing that, I mean, a lot of what we're learning, a lot of the theories that they're operating are about the early harvest and about timing your seeds to where um, those eligible gobblers that can and will breed and contribute to the to producing nest are given plenty of access to those hens and we're getting as many nests as we can on the ground before we start harvesting those gobblers. So I would say that um, I, I don't know this. I've never spoke to anybody in Pennsylvania that maybe there's some of that going on with how they time any kind of early season. You know, uh, they're doing it early to give the youth a chance to get out there first, but they're also yep. trying to 
um, kind of govern that to where there's not way too many birds get shot before they feel like it's peace peak nesting period for the hens. My personal opinion about that, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% for using the science and the research as an advantage to how we hunt and how we set our seasons and our bag limits and, and all that kind of thing. But on the other hand, I'm not necessarily thinking that if this is the case, that we sacrifice the youth hunt. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't think that's the place to govern. Yeah. If anything, right. if anything, govern it somewhere else. Find a way to, to change that up to where you're governing. Then don't limit the youth. Limit, limit it somewhere else. You know, um, that's my opinion about that. I, and then again, that's coming from an, uh, an uninformed, uh, place because I don't know anything about how they're making decisions in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I know that. I know about that made it back then. Yeah. I do know that Pennsylvania is one of the states that is really taking the research um, from biologists very seriously, and that's why we are one of the latest states to start our season. Um, our start this year, I think, was May 1st, and that youth season, or maybe April 29th, something like that, our youth season was April 24th. So it's a little early-ish, but still a lot later than a lot of the other seasons around. Um, you know, but going back to the reason I kind of asked that question from some of the points you touched on earlier was think about the weather. What if that one day of youth season, it pours all day long and which it has yeah. in the past. Yeah. It has. Um, you know, and, and you don't even get the kids out that day. So now they have no real advantage. And you know, what I'd like to see the state do is maybe even implement a bad weather day, maybe put in the books where, you know, okay, Saturday is the day for youth season. If we have bad weather, maybe they open it up on Monday for the youth season, you know, extended a day to, to Monday since we don't have Sunday hunting here um, for Turkey at this point. Um, I, I think that could be a, a way to do it as well, or just, you know, make it a two or three day season, um, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, you, you know, any other yeah. season that you look at mostly the any other youth seasons that we have in Pennsylvania, they're, you know, two to three days, even they have a rifle deer season in the middle of archery season for youth. It's three days, you know. I mean, they could do the same thing with turkey, in my opinion. I, I also think that it's a better season for youth hunters, and it's a really good entry point for youth to get into turkey hunting. So I'd like to see them do something about it. Maybe we'll contact some of our state representatives and get their opinion on it as well. But I know, I knew you would answer the question in the way I wanted you to answer it, which is exactly how you did it, because I know you're very knowledgeable, and you have talked to a lot of biologists this year and um, on your podcast. So. I appreciate the answer. You know, I think you're spot on. One thing that's kind of interesting is, and I didn't know that, you know, I I didn't, I I didn't know the structure of the seasons there, but I mean, like take Missouri for Missouri does it the exact opposite. Um, in Missouri, you can only hunt until 1 p.m. and, or maybe it's noon. I I don't know. I'm having a, uh, a brain lapse there, but it's a midday deal. The only time of the year you can hunt all day for turkeys is during the youth hunt. They actually expanded out for the, um, which I like. You know, I, 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 I like the fact that Missouri, um, I'm not, I don't know. I've talked about this uh, on, on podcasts. I don't remember if it came up with us, but you know, there's some questions as to whether or not that's the exact right thing to do, but just minimizing pressure. Um, they also have the, you can only kill, fill one of your tags in the first week so that all of these birds aren't killed in the first week of the season. Um, they do a lot of things that I, you know, 
you can debate exactly how effective and how much they're the right, but at least they're they're progressively trying some things to, and, and putting those things in play and, and seeing what they do. And then, like, you know, to the youth point, they're actually going, um, I guess from the purpose of this conversation, they're kind of going in the other direction. They're opening it up for youth. It's a three- or four-day deal. I think it's a three-day thing. I think theirs is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then they can hunt all day long. Um, so, interesting. I'd be really interested to know what the reasoning behind that for, for Pennsylvania is. Yeah. Yeah, and they do it. Um, I know we've mentioned it before, but they, they do the first two weeks. You can hunt till noon here. In the second two weeks of the season, you can hunt all day. Yeah. So, these last two weeks, we can actually hunt all day. We can hunt, you know, yeah. sun up to sundown. But That makes perfect uh, sense. I mean, given the biology, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Late in the season. Yeah, yeah. Those, most of those hens are already bred. So get after them. You know, you're not you're not hurting anything by killing those gobblers um, right. after all the hens are bred. So get after them. You know, give them a break early in the season. I, I, I like that. Yeah, I I've always used to, I used to complain about it when I was um, you know very ignorant to the whole fact of the biology of turkey and everything that our season's late and you know you can only hunt till noon and then once I started figuring it out and and learning more and you know listening to podcasts like your own. It, it really clicked like, man, Pennsylvania is actually one of the states that's actually trying to preserve their turkey. All I think we need to do a better job now is just taking care of some of the predators, nest predators, that kind of thing, um, which I got some ideas for coming forward, but we don't want to go down that trail because I've beat that horse uh, <laughs> more than once. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So Austin, you want to jump into the scree gear side then or, or lock? Do you have, uh, do you have more turkey? stories uh of your season you want to cover real quick i'll just mention we talked about how i had such great weather in kansas i had i went up to missouri and i hunted missouri and nebraska in in the same week and i had the exact opposite it was terrible <laughs> we killed turkey uh we killed yeah. uh, four tags in in four days but uh it was there man it snowed two days while we were there we <laughs> killed turkey in a blizzard which was a new experience that i don't ever want to do again <laughs> um, like, like I said, is it, like the problem is, as you guys can imagine, um, when you're running cameras, there's nothing good about snow. No. Nothing. I mean, the scenery is kind of cool, I guess, but the the job is horrible. And yeah. so we really didn't get very good footage because we weren't prepared for it. Um, we woke up the, the second morning and there was like five inches of ground. Oh, fool. We thought it all passed and we, it was freezing cold. It was, as you can only imagine. And, and every, and we go out there and the sun's out and we're like, okay, we're going to get after it. And then another snowstorm blows in and we wow. kill a turkey and, and, and in the middle of just an absolute, couldn't see 50 yards through the river snowing so hard. So, oh man. Uh, but it was fun. I mean, like I said, it was fun in that I can say that I experienced it. It was something that I've never experienced before and it was unique and cool in its own right. But then again, I don't want to do it again because this wasn't your typical winter cold with the ground frozen and everything's powdery. This was wet, nasty, slushy yeah. snow that was melting immediately, but it was snowing so hard it was piling up and it was just everything was terrible. So, uh, it, you know, just to mention, that's kind of how the rest of my season, that was it really. I, 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 uh, I made that, that long trip and then called up a bird for my son at home right at the end of the season. So, uh, you know, I, I hunted nine days. I called up six kills and, and, uh, you know, called it a wrap, folks, on baseball. So, <laughs> there you uh, go. It, Pretty it, good it was, odds. Yeah. It was good. It was good odds. It was, it was good fortune. 
and it was very diverse. I'll say that. I hunted some beautiful days and I hunted some terrible days, but I was fortunate enough that I didn't hunt any bad days as far as the experience. You know, I didn't have any really bad days. We were on turkeys everywhere I went and, uh, different scenarios, got to experience a lot of different things, but, um, at the same time, for the most part, all good. Yeah. It was a good spring. That's excellent, man. It's not over for us yet. It's going to be over this weekend. So hopefully we get a couple more hunts in, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's yeah. supposed to rain. So. Uh, Maybe one Monday. Of days, one of these days, I didn't hunt any in May. The last, I don't know, for the last five or six years, I've either went and hunted Kansas or Nebraska or somewhere in May after everything's, because everything's over down here at the end of April. And this year I didn't just because of my schedule with my son, baseball, and all. We've been really busy. Um, but one of these years, Pennsylvania's on my short list. I'm going to come up there and hunt in May because I've never hunted in there, So look, Come on up, man. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. It's coming. I got a couple of places uh that I've got to just buckle down and, and commit to figuring out the dates and making it happen. You're always welcome yeah. up here, man. Well yeah, so if uh if y'all wanna talk about scree, I'm I'm down for it. So first thing I'm I kinda wanna get into, I wanna get into like what are you using for turkey season? I wanna get into your system, get into that, and then I want you to explain I mean, layering a little bit better for people who don't really quite understand it. Like a lot of people think layering, you know, oh, yeah, I have an undershirt on or, you know, and a coat, and that's layering to them, you know. Kind of go through the whole little gambit a little bit. So, first of all, just kind of uh, playing off, uh, you know, coming off of the, our, our conversation about turkey, and, and as far as street goes with turkey, you know, we, our summit camouflage pattern is exceptionally good for spring turkey. It is, um, it's, it's got the right kind of depth and layering to it. In this case, I'm talking about the, the layering of the elements in the camouflage pattern. It, it gives, in my opinion, the kind of breakup, uh, the kind of visual disruption that works really well. And then also, it's got the right, it's got the right Pantone colors in it. And, and I've used it in just about every turkey habitat that you can think of. And, um, and it's worked great. And so that's kind of where it starts right there as far as three goes when it comes to turkey. Um, the camouflage pattern is second to none. So, and that's the summit pattern. You know, as far as the gear goes, you know, I mean, as turkey hunters, you know that it's, it's kind of a combat sport. <laughs> yeah. We're tough. You know, unless you're going and just sitting in a, in a blind chair somewhere, you know, you're moving a lot. A lot of times you find yourself crawling and rolling around trying to get set up on a bird, uh, crossing ditches and all kind of stuff. So, you know, the fact that it is a very, durable and a lifetime warranty product it is a big deal regardless of which pieces you're wearing it's all good quality stuff is going to withstand and they're going to stand behind anything that fails on you in terms of uh, any kind of warranty cases so you know that that's kind of the, the basic now as far as performance and functionality turkey season is is one of those seasons in most of the uh most of the country everywhere you go where you get a big wide um, range of temperatures, right? There's a lot of days where it's really chilly at daylight and you're in there tight. You're having to sit still and comfortable because you're in close to birds on the roost, but it's cold, you know, like you said, there's days up there where it's in the mid thirties and then where I hunted in the Midwest when it's snowing, it's in the twenties. And then in the middle of the day, it's up in the fifties or the sixties, you know, and down south, it's even more drastic than that. There are days down here where it might be 37, 38 degrees with humidity, which by the way is really cold when it's, when it's humid and that cold. And then it's 75 degrees by noon. Wow. So, you know, the ability to have 
the layering, it's really nice for turkey hunting. And it's kind of one of those things that the layering in the performance gear system was kind of invented or maybe not invented, but it was developed and, and evolved through backcountry spot and stall mountain hunting. Well, if, if you just really put the two things side by side, turkey hunting is as close as we get east of the Mississippi to what they do for elk hunting in September. Right. Similar kind of weather and the same concept of, you know, you're on the move and then you're sitting still and then you're on the move and then you're sitting still. And so you're talking about your merino fabrics for your base layers that breathe really well and they wear really comfortably as your base layers, you know, then just your quality outer fabrics to deal with not only being breathable and comfortable when it warms up, but also a good shell outer for moisture when you're crawling around and for uh, just generally letting your base layers do their job, keeping your skin dry and comfortable. So I guess I'm kind of naturally segueing into your second question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but from a turkey, you know, what I do, I guess to kind of wrap up the, the first question. From a turkey perspective, down south when it's really hot, we have warm weather gear. And when you get to the really hot, you're not really talking so much about layering as much as you're just talking about quality performance fabric. So you're wearing lightweight stuff that breathes and dries quickly if you, if you're sweating and that kind of stuff. So you're talking about your merino wool. It, it moist, it wicks moisture away from your skin. It keeps you dry and comfortable and it breathes really well. And you're talking about your really lightweight, um, with the Uenta pant. Is, is what we have and it's a lightweight material that's got the, the hip vent, the hip vent zippers and that kind of thing. So it's durable and it performs when you're, you know, out there really at hotter temperatures. Now when you get up more into your mids and your, your colder temperatures, then you start talking about layers. So I'll give you my, my sermon that, that I often find myself in that conversation when, when that question's asked. So this is how I view it. This is not necessarily from the marketing book at three or anything like that, but uh, this is my attempt to try to break it down in a very just kind of layman's way. Um, when we look at when we look at, at hunting gear and hunting clothes, and I, I know and I'm thinking back to, to, to when I was a kid and, you know, we go out deer hunting in the winter and, uh, or in the fall and in the winter when it's really cold. And what are we trying to do? Right. It, it's a blanket type approach. Right. That's what it ends up being. It's a blanket approach. We put stuff on top of us to protect us from what's what's outside, right? So if it's if it's raining, we put on some kind of rain gear to block the the water. Right. If it's cold, we put on heavy things to protect our skin from the cold air and the wind, right? So there's really no emphasis put on what's happening next to the skin, what's happening up underneath that garment, whether it be, you know, uh, midweight or heavyweight. It's just a matter of a shield barrier layer to protect our body from whatever elements we're dealing with that's kind of the that's kind of where we came from and when we're talking about hunting gear and and how we prep for different seasons and different conditions yeah so then you then you introduce layering because what is layering right so so the idea is instead of taking this is lots idea lots idea (laughs) is instead of taking a heavy hoodie or coat or parka or you know just basically whatever we're talking about from mid to, to, to colder instead of just putting that on top of me and protecting myself i'm basically in a i have a one-dimensional approach there right 
That's a one-dimensional approach. It's cold, and in this situation, this is keeping the cold off. But I'm not taking into account my walk into the stand, my walk out from the stand, my right. pack the deer and all, my go check all my trail cameras on my way out. Um, I'm not talking about all the other things I'm doing. I'm just worried about when I'm sitting there and I'm at my coldest, this is keeping me warm. And so there's no, again, there's no emphasis, there's no, um, there, there's no thought put into what's happening under that coat, just the coat's keeping the cold off. So when you look at layering, what you're doing is you're taking fabrics and you're taking, you know, designs in the way the gear is made, the materials that are used to put that next to your skin and allow it to breathe, allow it to insulate, allow it to do its job. And then when we go look at the outer layers, the outer layers are then designed to complement those to keep the outside off and protect the inside so that it can do its job. Now we can get more in depth in that, but I mean, that, that's your basic, that's your basic idea. Yeah. So you're using it, it. I mean, it is It's called layering. It's a layered approach to how this stuff works on your body. And it's not just a shield against whatever nature is throwing. Yeah. Right. Now that makes total sense, man. So if you had to pick, like say someone just brand new getting into scree gear or they're looking for a layering system of some sort, what would be your go-to tell them like, Hey, this is what I would start off with, not giving them the whole game, but like you need the full system. What would you start them off with? So we, we have, um, in all performance layering gear systems, they all try to break things down in, in categories, mm-hmm. like early, mid. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say your basic stuff. You want a, a, a base layer and you want an outer layer that is versatile. If you're talking about just one thing, because I can always, as I build my system out and I get to that point where I've got everything, I can throw something heavier on the top or I can shed something and get lighter. So I'm going to start in the mid. What I'm going to tell people to do is get Merino basically. Get, and it depends on where you're at. If you're in South Texas, we're going to go light. If you're in Pennsylvania, we're going to go mid because even your, your warmest days are not South Texas, yeah. right? But your coldest days are notable, right? So we're going to go Merino against this and we're going to go with the hard scrabble which is the hard scrabble is the outer shell. You wear the hard scrabble without any base layers. It's a midweight kind of fabric that it, it, it's okay for warmer temperatures. It's not early season lightweight gear, but it's not heavy. You know, it's the equivalent of wearing a pair of blue jeans and a long sleeve, you know, like not heavy, heavy kind of hoodie, but something that's kind of midweight. Right. So, you know, and then you put the, the, the merino underneath it. And for the comfort and the, the layering as it gets a little bit cooler and all that kind of thing. And so th- there you are. And then, you know, as you like I said, as you build out your system from there, you can put more outer layers on top of that or mid layers between your merino and that hard scrabble as your outer layer. Like, as a matter of fact, you know, we have late season gear and uh, we're coming out with more late. Season. But I mean, I have, I have hunted in some pretty extreme cold with my hard scrabble as my outer layer because that's the whole point right is it's a performance fabric that if you wear it by itself it's going to breathe and it's going to work in a variety of of temperatures but if you layer up underneath it it is an outer shell it's supposed to keep the wind and the moisture and all of that off so that your layers can do the insulating and 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 do that all the right way and so it is very very versatile and then again to, to the other point, if I'm going to start out, I'm going to get a basic set of merino tops and bottoms. 
I'm going to go with the 170 lightweight if I'm in the south. I'm going to go with the 300 midweight if I'm, you know, Midwest or more north where it, it's cooler. And then I'm going to put the hard scrabble jacket, pant, and vest on the top of that. And so I'm kind of covered right there. That That's going to cover you for pretty much all of the spring. And I'm going to, I hate to throw numbers out there because like just as an example, 45 degrees is not the same. Right. right? Yeah. I agree with that. Degrees, 45 degrees in a swamp where it's humid can be really cold and 45 degrees along the coast with, with moisture off of, off of the, the ocean or the Gulf or anything, that could be pretty cold. But 45 degrees in a really dry climate can be pretty comfortable. Yeah. You know, so I hate to put a number on it, but you know, if you've got a merino and then the hard scrabble with the vest underneath the jacket, I mean, it's, 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 that's pretty good for a lot of the fall unless you've got extreme wind or moisture or something like that. Yeah. No, I can, I, I can attest to it. I mean, I know even this year and some of the turkey season, um, that I've been wearing it and even the late season when it was thirties, I, all I was wearing was, and now I would double up my base layers. I'd wear the one seventies and the three hundreds over yeah. top of the one seventies. And then what I was running, I would just run the hard scrabble vest with the light season jacket. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was an absolutely amazing combination. I didn't get cold once all year with that. And then on the bottoms, I would run either just the 170s or the 300 and the 170s with the hard scrabble pants. I was good all year from yeah. uh, opening before light till noon with that temperature range. I was covered. I can tell you right now, I've had, I've answered this with, uh, in a lot of different, um, scenarios. I wear the 170 merino top and bottom about 95% of the time that I go in the woods doing anything. Yeah. It's either, it's either my next to skin with however mi- amount of mid layer before I get to a heavy, if it's co- really cold. And I even wear it underneath the early season pants. And some people think, oh, that's crazy. If you're, why, why would you, if you're wearing an early season pant, the whole point is it's really hot, right? What it does to keep your skin dry, which I believe deer hunting, keeping your skin dry is a big deal. Oh yeah. Because sweat and scent and all of that kind of thing. Merino's and is naturally antimicrobial. It absorbs a lot. It, I'm not trying to make it, it, this is not a scent away, scent lock kind of conversation. It's not, but every little bit helps, right? Yeah, totally. If, if, if I'm wearing the, the 170 Merino is so light and it performs so well. Now, of course, I'm not talking about if I'm going out doing something, shooting hogs in the summertime or if it's in the nineties, then yeah, I'm going to wear a t-shirt and lightweight pants because it's just really hot. But like early season, both season, early season bow hunt in the south, first of October, I mean, it gets up some days it does get up into the nineties. But early in the morning and late and late in the evening, it's still in the 80s, and I wear my 170 top and bottom with my lightweight pants over it because I want it to absorb that sweat off of me, right? I want it to, those pants are going to breathe. And so if the merino is keeping my skin dry, then the, the pants are going to do the, 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 their work as well. And, and, and you mentioned the, the early season jacket that we came out with last year. Or the vest, either one, if you need something else over the top. And I wear the vest a lot, bow hunting, just because I like to put it over the top of my, my safety harness. And it keeps everything tucked in and out of the way. Yeah. I like to have the access to the pockets and stuff. But, um, uh, you know, to your point, when you're talking about layering, like I said, 
I wear that 170 next to me skin, and I've had people ask that question. I'm like, there's a very select handful, hand, handful of times at any point, any hunt that I go on that I don't have that stuff next to my skin. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, man. I've been preaching about Merino wool for so long. My, my biggest thing for people that don't really kind of get it is, you know, when you go hunting, what kind of socks are you wearing? Are you wearing just normal heavy boot socks, you know, cotton socks? A lot of people, their socks, they take a couple pairs with them because their feet get wet. They want to change them. A nice new pair of socks is great. My biggest thing, go and buy a couple pairs of Merino socks. Just see the difference once, once or oh, twice. Yeah. That's how I kind of got Charles into Merino wool. We were out hunting and like, he was like, oh man, my feet are soaking wet. I was like, dude, I have an extra pair. Just, just take a pair of socks. And it was like game changer for him on that one. But that's my biggest thing. It's the cheapest way to get into Merino and really just kind of understand what it's doing. Get that moisture away. Let it insulate. Keep yourself dry. Unreal, man. No, you're right. Uh, your feet. You're you're absolutely right. Your your feet and the socks that you wear will will prove the point to you faster than it. Yeah. I, I've had a, a couple of friends of mine that have gotten into wearing scree over the last couple of years. And these, these are friends of mine that are big into uh, mobile hunting. And so they walk a lot. And they climb and set their stands up and or climb up in their saddles. They do a lot of the mobile stuff, so they're very active. And, you know, in doing that, they also end up having to pack out deer a long ways and doing all this. Um, another example of what you're talking about is that I've had several people be like, man, I can't tell you how many times I have uh, gotten to my setup in the mornings and I'm just clammy. And miserable because my, 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 my clothes can't really dry out and I'm not sweating, but it's just uncomfortable, you know, because I've walked so far in and I've, you know, went up with my sticks and hung a mobile set and, and then, you know, also I've killed a deer and I've got to drag it 200 yards to get it somewhere I can get to it. And I am just soaked. My gear is just soaked and they wear that merino t-shirt or merino base layer and they go down to that and they do all this and they're like man i literally sat down for five minutes and i was completely dry yeah you know i felt just like i did when i got out of the truck after after just absolutely just humping it in the heat and so that's another place where you know around your neck around your armpits around your your midsection um and your chest and stuff you know, if you've got a backpack on, you're carrying a stand on your back, you're packing a bow, all that kind of stuff. I mean, all that builds up and then you get sat down and you throw a jacket or something on or a hoodie over the top and all that's still wet. That's just not comfortable. Yeah. It's not only that, but that's a whole lot of scent up against your body just sitting there the, the entire hunt. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's where it starts. Yeah, that's where it starts. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not into promoting any, you know, any other gear, obviously, this is, this is where, where I, I work and this is what I do. But the truth of the matter is, if you're building out your system and you've got other pieces, what we want to do is get you going the right way. And then, hey, if it's not in your budget to buy the, the colder weight gear just yet, this is going to carry you through so much of the season. You can throw that jacket you got in there for those really cold days and put it over the top of that. And you're still layering, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we can sell you on how we can do even better on the outer layers with more performance and more compliments to the layering. But if you are that new consumer and, hey, where do I get started? 
get started with the quality merino against and get the quality versatile mid outer layers that you can layer underneath with existing things you have and layer over the top for those really cold days. And that will, it'll really carry you through the majority of, of the days you're going to spend in the field at any time of the year. Yeah, man. No, I couldn't agree more. That's my number one. Getting your merino base layers, man. <laughs> That's where it's well, at, guys. I'm telling you. And let me, let me say this. And, and there's, there's, there's a lot of quality products out there. You, you can't go on Amazon and buy the merino that we're selling. I'm not going to say you absolutely can't, but be careful. They're not all created equal. No. There are lots of brands out there, and I'm not naming competitor brands. I'm just saying in general. There are lots of brands out there that put 30 or 40 or 50% merino wool in with other things. And yes, that's better than our traditional cotton fabric. Yeah. Is, but it's not the same. We're, our 170s are 100% super fine merino. The 300s are 95% with 5% spandex. The spandex is just for, for, for comfort. Right. For how it wears as a mid layer. So, um, and there's other brands out there that sell, so that sell high grade merino and it matters. It really does. Merino has become a catchphrase in this market, in this industry. So of course, if somebody puts a 50 50 merino blend, they market it as a merino product. And people are wearing it, and they're like, well, this is nice, but it's not like Game Changer. Go wear 100% Merino, and you'll find out it is Game Changer. Yeah. It's different. I couldn't agree more. There's uh, the 170 base layers. They never leave my body anytime I leave the house and go in the woods. I have the top and bottom on. Whether it's long sleeve or short sleeve top, typically I like the long sleeve or even the quarter zip. I really appreciate the quarter zip because when you're walking in, you can just zip down and really vent yep. that air out no, um, no. and let that heat no. escape from your body. But I do have another, uh, before I got into Scree, I, I ordered a set of top and bottom Merino wools. Um, they're 200s from another company and it's a totally different product. Um, they wear a little heavier too. That's what I love about Scree gear stuff is it's extremely lightweight thin material where you can layer up on um, your screen. You can have, I mean, there's times I go in the woods with three or four layers on, and I don't lose mobility at all. The pants have stretched to them. The clothing fits beautifully. The thumb holes, I mean, Scree has gone to a level of consideration that a lot of other companies just don't do. And it's, it's, I mean, it is really amazing. Just with the, like you mentioned, briefly the vents on the pants that go down the side of your legs where you can open those up and walk in and out. Um, I mean, those are pretty incredible as far as keeping your body escaping the heat and letting everything dry quickly. Um, I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's, you know, that, that is the performance and the quality fabric and the lifetime warranty. Obviously those are big, big points. And, but, Sometimes I feel like when I'm talking to possible um, possible buyers before COVID, when we actually used to be able to go to the shows and talk to people, um, or or whatever the case may be, I think one of the things that gets lost is we talk about the warranty and we talk about the fabric and we talk about the innovation, the actual attention to detail and the the wearability, if that's a word, the comfort. I I I don't understand. There there's a certain and I'm sure everybody listening to this can probably recall some message board thread or some campfire conversation where they've had with somebody that's going to fit this description. But there's like this badge of honor some people wear about how 
how rough they can make, how minimalist they can be. And I'm like, man, I, I have to go to work, <laughs> it, you know, to, to, to live my life and to provide for my family. When I go hunting, I want to enjoy it. Yeah. I want to be comfortable. I want to make the most of my time out there. And there is something said for investing in things that are designed for what you're doing. They are designed to make you comfortable and to maximize your experience. It, you know, like I said, there is this weird, this, this, this weird, like, um, I called it a badge of honor. I don't know what you would call it, but this, this certain sense that a lot of hunters get like, man, the, the more minimalist and the more tough and rough I can be, like the more organic it is or something. And man, we're not in covered <laughs> wagons, you know? No. Like, I, I used the example one time and, and maybe it's kind of crazy, but I find myself using it more often, uh, in these conversations than not. Like, so. If I invite you to come over and watch a ball game at my house, you know, we're going to sit in my recliner on my couch, right? You know, like we're going to turn the air conditioner on yeah. and watch my big screen TV. If I invited you to come over and watch a ball game for a relaxing afternoon, you know, like hanging out and I have no furniture. I got this little bitty cheap TV from the, from the thrift store and I sit you in a folding chair and I'm like, I just really don't want to spend the money on comfort. Like, no, like, <laughs> we we like what would you say? you know you'd be like hey you're not gonna like put nice things in your house where you live enjoy your home you know enjoy your time off enjoy your relaxation time to me we're fooling ourselves of course we all love the idea that we can provide for our family and we can put meat on the table and that we can eat what we kill that's all very important but let's not lie to ourselves all of us are hunting because we enjoy it yeah because it's who we are and what we want to do we don't have to kill animals to survive, right? It's a, it's, it's a, it's something that we enjoy. It is a, you know, it's something that God, you know, in my opinion, blesses us with nature and our ability to, to command nature and, and be at the top of the food chain and all those kind of things. But hey, man, there's so many challenges to life every day that we all go through to provide for our families and to provide for ourselves and our communities. When we get the chance to go out hunting, I, I want to enjoy it, man. And I love the fact that this this performance gear and all that, it does so many things from that aspect. But to to to, to your point that you made, it's comfortable. It's enjoy I like wearing my I'm comfortable in my gear. I'm as comfortable in my gear as I am when I put on my pajamas and my, my casual clothes and, and hang around the house for the week. It's comfortable. It's more comfortable than the stuff I wear to work every day. I can tell you that. Yeah, man. I gotta be honest. I'm surprised Charles isn't wearing it right now. Most of the time when you talk to him and you FaceTime, he's got a beanie on. He's got all kinds of stuff. He's just like, I love this stuff. <laughs> it is. And I, I just, I, I think, I guess back to my circle back to what I was originally saying, I think that kind of gets lost. Like I try to encourage people. I'm like, look, man, I'm telling you right now, if you're going to go out there and bust your butt to, to, to be in the woods and to spend your time outdoors, then be comfortable. Make the most of it, every part of it, you know, and part of it is, hey, I, I, I want to enjoy it, but I'm but I'm sweating and I'm hot and I'm miserable or I'm freezing cold and I just can't I can't make myself do it. Well, I mean, be comfortable, you know, like spoil yourself a little bit. Have nice stuff. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I, and 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 then again, like I said, it, it all goes back to um, the, the main sales pitches of the performance and all that kind of stuff. But the. That's lifetime warranty. It's a good investment. Um, you don't have to rough it to be a hunter. You know, you can, uh, we can use these kind of things to make, 
to be more fulfilled, I guess, is a kind of a crazy emotional way to say it. But it's just, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's awesome stuff. And there's so much attention to detail put into, you know, not just the fact that, Hey, this is the right amount of this fabric or this is the right, um, type of fabric to be used in this situation. That's part of it. The other part of it is how are you going to use this piece? You know, envisioning how this piece is going to be put into use when you're out in the field. So then it's designed and it's developed to complement yeah. things like you said, like the thumb holes, the, 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 the vent zips, the placement of the pocket, the performance mm-hmm. cut so that it moves with you when you're drawing that yeah. bow or you're hike making that long hike, climbing up in a tree before daylight. You're not bulky uh, and, and not bulky just because that's hot, but bulky because it moves with you, you know, um, all the waistband kind of is another thing that I forget about a lot of times that, that waistband so it doesn't fall. I re- rarely wear a belt anymore and I saddle hunt, yeah. which is great because I can't wear a belt and saddle hunt at the same time. A lot of times it's just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's got a, it's like a rubber. I guess it's rubber. Honestly, I don't, you mentioned it. I don't know how to exactly. <laughs> it's like an elastic kind of rubber. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's basically it, a non-slip it, it, material. So yeah, your pants so you, don't fall down. Right. And, yeah, it, it keeps, and I mean, it, it, it goes along with the layering too, because when you tuck your shirts in, you want everything to stay put. You don't want to have air leak in where you don't want it leaking in. So yep. it has to do with that. You know, the shirts are made with a bit of a tail, so they don't ride up, uh, and let air in along your lower back. All those kind of yep. things. Those are the attention to detail that the performance stuff does for you that I find myself, I have found myself talking to people. Mostly at the trade shows and the outdoor expos across the country where somebody's, you know, we're in a big convention center and all the gear's hanging up there and they're trying it on and they're asking us questions and they're trying to put themselves in a real life situation with this product, right? They're looking at this jacket, they're looking at these pants, this vest or whatever, and they're trying to imagine all of this and, and that's great. It's very important to us. I hope that we can get back to doing those things now that our country is recovering from from all of the lockdown and, and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, until you actually do it, until you actually wear it in a variety of of of, uh, of weather and a variety of seasons, and you actually there's things about it even to this day after years and years that I can still stop and kind of appreciate. Man, I can remember years ago when I had to deal with this, and because of this design feature, or because of the way this wears. It eliminates that problem. And I'm still finding those things this day sometimes when I find myself hunting in a different way or hunting in a different place where I'm, I'm facing something, um, that I'm not used to facing on a normal basis. So, yeah. Yeah, man. And I, I, I will just want to touch on a couple key items that I can't respect enough. And that is the neck gator and the beanie, as Austin mentioned. <laughs> that neck gator is paper thin. And I have worn it in the harshest of conditions. And that thing just holds up, man. It keeps you warm. It keeps you cool. I've worn it from day one of the season to the last day of our rifle season in the middle of the winter. With just another layer over top of it. If I double up um, just in two thin layers of um, merino wool neck gaiters, I'm good. Yeah, man. I, I don't need anything else. That The insulating ability of merino fabric is really it's really something else you know it's really amazing what it does but and it probably should go without saying if if you haven't come to this realization yet as a hunter 
specifically talking about fall and winter when it's cold. The air that gets in around your collar is a major. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, to whatever base layers, whatever mid layers, whatever outer layers, whatever you're doing, if you're allowing cold air to get in around your collar, it's getting straight to your core. And Charles, to your point, it's not a bulky item, but it seals that off and it is merino. So it does a good job of insulating while it's sealing all that off. And it's like it's not even there. And, uh, it is, it is a great, I, I am, um, you know, I'll admit that during turkey season, if you, if you look at some of my media and stuff, I, I wear face paint because I hate putting things on my face and because I have a beard and all that. So when I'm walking and moving around a lot and it's warm outside, I don't like having the gator around me. I do wear it a lot just to pull it up over my face if I have to, but I try to wear face paint during turkey season because I'm moving around a lot. And I, I don't, you know, but when I'm deer hunting, when I'm sitting, or even if I'm going on a turkey hunt where I know I'm going in and I'm setting up in an area and I'm not going to be moving a lot, I don't, that net gator stays in the my pant pocket or my vest pocket all year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, man. I want to mention new product too, because yeah, I don't want to go without saying, for one, the, the merino wool gloves, got to give me a pair of those full immediately. Fingers. Full finger yeah. merino wool gloves. Unreal. Yeah, I haven't gotten my hands on that yet. It, you know, if we, we take a minute to talk about what's new and coming yep, out. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It really starts with the new camo. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen it, we've gotten plenty of media out there. I spent the majority of, of the fall wearing the new camo for deer season. That's what it's designed for is late season. Um, it's kind of a twist on the summit pattern. It's similar to the summit pattern. In its, um, in its elements, in, in the way it's made, but it, it has differences and it's meant to help you transition from a more, more foliage, more backdrop to a more open, more leaves off the trees, more of a broken skyline, less blob, so to speak. And then again, it, just like with Summit, there's a Pantone difference in the color schemes. Um, you know, whatever your take is on how animals see and how they see color, I think one thing that that is, um, it's a logical approach to that, the shades and the Pantone of colors. A deer may not see the color the same way you see it, but I think that it's illogical to think that they don't see light or dark colors in a similar way. In other words, they may not see orange the way you see orange, but they see bright colors in a similar way that you see bright colors. Yeah. And they see the tone of colors in a way that we see, I believe. I I find optical science to be fascinating in that I don't understand how they know or how they figure <laughs> the things that they think they know. I really don't. But what I do know is the way the, this was designed is, first of all, to complement the visual disruption that's necessary as all the green leaves um, and all of the even the, the fall leaves fall and the, the, the horizon and the backdrop opens up. And then it's also using the color tones that it are using match the grays and the browns and the whites and the creams that you see that time of the year as opposed to the tans and the browns and the greens that you see when you have more foliage and uh, more on the trees and, and, and on the landscape. So, but it, I used it all last year and there's a lot of media out there. Go check it out. It is, it's awesome. 
and we've gotten a great, great uh, feedback from it. Uh, the first orders of it have already shipped out. We've already uh, already gotten it out there to some people. I've even seen some people talking about it. Um, so it starts with that. Silas is, is what it's called. That's the new pattern. And then as far as uh, new products, so you mentioned the gloves. That's something that we just put out that, that's just out uh, recently, and it's much needed. It's something we've been talking about for a while because prior to that, the, the gloves that we offered were heavier duty, kind of um, meant for really cold, you know, on the mountainside, glassing for elk, mule deer, um, backcountries type stuff. This is more of a what you would call a liner glove but also just a mid-weight glove for a lot of dexterity and a lot of uh, home fitting and all that, like we do with everything else marino. Um, a couple of new things that I'm really excited about. We're going to have an expansion of our late-season gear, and that really complements the, the new camouflage pattern that is designed more for late-season. So we're going to have a new late-season pant that actually has the downfill of the ptarmigan jacket. Sweet. And that... I'm telling you right. right now, an absolute game changer. That so, if you haven't seen the Tarmigan jacket, it's 16 ounces of 850 grams of goose down, and it is the best jacket that has ever been made anywhere on earth. <laughs> Hands down, it is the most versatile. It is the it, like I, I I could go on and on, and I have countless number of friends and just people that I've met through working with Scree that have gotten that jacket, and they're just like. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe I have hunted a day in my life without this jacket. It's amazing um, for lots of different reasons. So now we're going to have a pant that complements that. They're also, um, we're going to be coming out with a bib. Um, that's another thing that's really been requested. A yeah. lot of people, a lot of tree stand hunters and a lot of rifle later season hunters really like the comfort and, and everything of a bib. So uh, we'll be coming out with a bib this summer. And then a heavier weight jacket. And I have to be honest with you, I haven't seen that. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's going to be a heavier parka type of jacket, I believe, is what we're going for there to complement the late season stuff. Outside of that, we have a ladies line coming in. I heard that. That has uh, been nice. requested a lot. And and so we're not, it's my understanding, these things will be, it'll be available over the summer, I think August. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think around August is the drop date for a lot of these items. But the ladies thing is, it's not so much completely new, it's just size to fit ladies. Right, ladies right. Ladies are different, they're shaped different. We're going to be doing merino base layers and hard scrabble mid outers, and we're going to be doing those in lady sizes. So they're, they're made to fit the lady hunters in the same way that we just talked about all those things comfort and design so that they're comfortable and they're not wearing their boyfriend's stuff that he's already grown out of that's too big for them. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, uh, or whatever the case may be. So that's that's going to be exciting because I have been hearing it from ladies for three years. When are you going to make something that fits ladies? <laughs> you know, uh, and, uh, and, and it, you know, every now and then it's a performance fit, athletic cut style fit gear. So, Sometimes somebody types it works pretty well. It works better than traditional men's clothing because it is athletic fit, and that's a little bit closer to ladies' fit. Yeah. But this is actually ladies' sizing and stuff like that. We're also going to come out with some more solids. Yeah, I'm excited about the solids. And you know, the the solids are an interesting thing to me. It's not something I've ever. I've got our our stone, 
our stone gray stuff that we did last year in the hard scrabble. And I love mm-hmm. it. Um, as a whitetail and turkey hunter and waterfowl hunter, uh, you know, solids hasn't been something that's big, been a big part of my functioning gear, but I know it's big for a lot of people. They really like it. They use it in a lot of different ways. So actually, uh, they had some, some, uh, some user interaction going on on social media. You can look at where they're, they're gathering opinions with people. They're offering some different ideas on some different colors, some different tones and trying to see what the consumers are interested in and, uh, you know, what might be next, whether we're going to go with a, you know, a, a brown tone or some, um, some other graphite gray type of toner. There's lots of different things out there. So that's still in the works, but it's coming this year. So. I guess I'll wrap that up by saying I get asked one of the questions that I get asked more so along with, I guess I say more so, one of the things that's topped up there that I get asked a lot is, you know, how does this compare to Sitka? Or how does this stuff compare to Kiwi? Or one of the other popular brands, First Light, whatever, you name it. And, you know, what I my answer to that is and has always been, it compares very favorably. It's basically... Our take on a on a on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our design. It's our fabric. We outsource our own materials. We do our own manufacturing, and these are our camouflage patterns. But all of these companies are making a high quality performance product, and we're all using a lot of the same kinds of fabrics and the same kind of innovation that defines what performance gear is. The big difference between some of those companies in three up to this point has been they've been around long. Mm-hmm. So they've had time to bring more things to, to market. They have more layers. They have more pieces for different things. And, you know, Scree is a company that is younger than some of its biggest competitors. And it's taken us time to grow to where we could bring ladies gear and an expansive um, late season and expanding out into more broad, versatile pieces. And so really... I'm starting to have to come up with a way to change my answer because now our catalog's getting a lot more full. We're starting to offer a lot more pieces than five years ago when I first started where we had really good stuff, but we had kind of one kit that kind of fit a wide range and it didn't expand out. Now we're starting to compete by offering a lot more of these pieces that people like. We're offering that to go along with your system and get you completely outfitted literally from A to Z whatever season whatever yeah man yeah man that was <laughs> that was a solid answer man i'm i'm excited for to see what's coming you know i haven't got that term again uh jacket but you've you might have just talked me right into it and i might need the new pants coming out too <laughs> i'm telling you right now you need you need you need that jacket just as bad as you need fried chicken on sunday afternoon oh well you know i need that too so <laughs> uh, that jacket is i mean i you know, like just to highlight what this is a, this is a full fledged late season goose down jacket that weighs 16 ounces and rolls up in a little stuff sack the size of a football. Yeah. And you can, you can throw that thing in a pack and go to the woods in late October wearing a, a hoodie or a long sleeve t-shirt or just your base layer and sit down, cool off and throw that jacket on and wear it when it's in the 50s. You know, maybe even the 60s, very comfortably. And then you can put that thing on on the coldest possible day over the top of however else you choose to layer. And it is an absolute game changer. I have 
I mean, it is an, it is a barrier lock. It, it, you know, it, it is, it is the most versatile and highest performing piece. Now, obviously, it doesn't go south of, uh, of a certain point. I mean, it is goose down. It's warm. You're not going to wear it when it's above 65 degrees. Right, probably. right. You're certainly not going to wear it when you're hiking very far because it will burn you up. But like I said, they designed that jacket to be a supreme insulator, right? That's the way to design, that's the way to talk about the design of that jacket when Scree first put it out was, hey, if you're up on the mountain and it is absolutely freezing and you got to sit there and glass for a long time, I'm going to take my hard scrabble outer shell jacket off. I'm going to put 850 grams of goose down up underneath it and put it back on to block off the elements and that thing. And if you do that, you are, I'm talking about, if, you, if it's colder than that, you ain't going to be hunting. Like <laughs> that thing, you put it under a shell jacket, it's crazy insulation. That was the original design as all of this was developed for backcountry mountain style hunting. Well, along here I come, southern boy, whitetail hunter, and I get this jacket and I start to use it and start to share it with other people and stuff. And I'm like, y'all don't realize that you created an absolute monster for tree stand. <laughs> Especially these guys that are doing, you know, I know you guys hunt this way. I hunt this way. A lot of, a lot of, I'm sure your listeners do this mobile hunting. And, you know, DIY public land where you're having to really put, put boots on the ground and move and, and really get in there where those deer are and you're moving different sets multiple times throughout the day and you're doing it in a rut and you've got to be there and, and you're facing a lot of wind, you're facing a lot of cold and all those different elements. This jacket gives you everything that your three in one parka gave you and it gives it to you in a stuff sack the size of a football at 16 ounces. Yeah, man. In terms of, you know, Wind, cold, and that kind of thing. So, I'm like, very excited to see what the pants are gonna uh, are gonna do to complement that. I really think that we are going to absolutely we're we're gonna jump into the whitetail game in a major way because these new late season pieces are gonna. That's been the biggest, probably the biggest question mark. The biggest challenge is, man, I'm going on a rut hunt in you know northwest missouri and it's going to be five degrees you know i need a bib i need some really i'm going to sit all day long and wait on that deer that's cruising or deer, you know coming off of that doe from lockdown and that is the challenge i don't care how you lay her cold is cold man. cold is cold and, and cold is cold and that ptarmigan was was one humongous piece for that these new pieces i think are really going to be game changers so i'm excited about what that's going to look like when people actually get that stuff and, and actually hunt with it this this fall Take my money. Just take it. <laughs> that's the, that's the one piece I haven't pulled the trigger on yet. And now I'm like, I, I'm just sitting over here, just beat myself up, shaking well, my head. You know, I'm just like, what am I doing? Why don't I have well, it? <laughs> when, you know, you guys asked the question earlier, like, if, you, if, 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 not, if, if I'm a new, if I'm a potentially a new buyer, you know, and, and I want to try out some three, but I'm not ready to invest in a, in a full ultimate bundle and have everything. What should I do to kind of get my feet wet and try this gear out? You guys asked me that and I'm on here talking about turkey hunting, but the name of the podcast is Whitetail Distraction. So I know you guys do both. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm like, well, you know, so we're talking about, I want to give you some you can wear in the spring when you go turkey hunting that you can wear them both season that you can wear with other pieces when it gets cold. I want to get yep. you really, I want, I want you to be wearing it all year. So, but if you ask me like, what is the number one thing I got to have if I'm a white tail deer hunter? 
the ptarmigan jacket, hands down, that there's no <laughs> other, there's no question about it. Solid, solid. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. No, that is awesome. Is. I'm very excited about what they're coming out with. You know, when you mentioned about people, and the number one complaint I hear here all the time is that people walk in, they sweat, they get cold, they sit in the tree stand, they're uncomfortable, and they end up getting down early because they just cannot suck it up long enough. And, and then I go to thinking about, okay, so I get a lot of those complaints and some of the main complaints come from, um, women hunters as well, because they, you know, women typically get colder than men do. Um, it's just Mm -hmm. how they run. And I know my, uh, my sister-in-law, she's the same way. She's always cold. I'm thinking, man, this is perfect person to get her with some merino wool, some scree stuff. And get her warm and, and then you throw that on me. They're coming out with the ladies line. I'm like, this is perfect. So I yeah. can't wait to announce that. And, uh, I mean, some of this, these new things, I hope they do with the, the ptarmigan, uh, pants, like they do with the rain pants too, with a high zipper. That way you can easily yeah. throw it on and off. Yeah. I, I think that's, I that would give, be good. I wish I could give more feature details about how, but I, I haven't seen it. Um, I know. I know the concept behind it, but I don't know all the features. I haven't seen, seen these pieces yet. I just, I know what the estimated drop date of them are. And I know, I know what's been talked about amongst the team at Scree and what, what we were going after with these things. But, uh, some of it's going to be new to me as well because I haven't, I haven't seen the prototype. So I'm excited as well. And, and yeah, I agree with you. Uh, that was something that we talked about. I hope that there's, um, that packability and that, that ease of layering. Um, definitely needs to be part of bibs and, and pants, but, and I, I'm sure you'll see that. Uh, very, very aware. Um, those conversations we've been had, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what's coming. Awesome. Thank you, awesome. man. All right, man. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find Scree gear? Yeah. So Scree is, uh, S-K-R-E. And, um, uh, if you're wondering on a side note, Scree is not an acronym. It is a, a scree is a certain kind of rock slide on a mountain, and that's actually spelled S C R E E. Scree is just a, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a name. It's not an acronym. But anyway, screegear.com. That's S K R E screegear.com, and then of course just search scree on all your main social media and uh, uh, YouTube and all that. You'll find all their stuff, and you'll find my ugly mug on there. Lots of different <laughs> places. Um, for me personally, we talked about my podcast, Strutcast. Um, it's a turkey hunting podcast. Uh, I, I don't have a, a necessarily determined schedule. I just do it during turkey season to bring turkey content out there to the, to the stratosphere. Um, so you can find that strutcast.com and strutcast, um, on Instagram and social media. And, uh, you know, my name is Locke. It's spelled L-O-C-K-E. It's Locke Wheeler, uh, L-O-C-K-E. And then Wheeler, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And the other big thing that I have going is I'm a big part of uh, Louisiana Bowhunter. And so we have the Louisiana Bowhunter podcast that runs from late summer all the way through February. And you can go to LouisianaBowhunter.com and, and uh, check that out. And it's, uh, you know, it's just a, that's a, uh, a, an organization that is just committed to promoting archery and bow hunting in our state here where I live. And so we have the podcast. It's been very successful. We had a lot of really, Really cool guests, a lot of really cool topics. If you're big into bow hunting, I encourage you to check that out. And, um, yeah, man, uh, summer doldrums are upon us. So, uh, go out and check out Scree's YouTube channel. I mean, for the most part, I, I do a lot of different media stuff for a lot of different people. 
But uh, as far as, you know, you can find a whole lot of my work right there at, at Scree's YouTube and, and a lot of hunts that feature a lot of these products we've talked about. And it's probably in some of the hunts that we've talked about as well. As a matter <laughs> of fact, you can actually watch them um, there. So I encourage people to check that out. And, uh, yeah, man, be looking for the new products to come out and get in that pre-order because the uh, the word is getting out. The brand is growing quickly and, uh, you know. Get in line, man. So, that's right. Epic, bro. Yeah, take advantage, uh, take advantage of these sales because Screw oh, Gear yeah. is pumping out yeah. sales all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, you can piece the system together, you know, you can piece mm-hmm. it together by like, there's a big Memorial Day sale going on. I know, uh, it may be past Memorial Day when people hear this, but that's just an example. There'll be sales. Uh, it seems like they use holidays as an excuse to. To run a sale, so <laughs> any holiday that comes up, there's going to be some kind of thing. Yeah, um, definitely. That, you know, that's part of the direct consumer model, and that's that's one of the things that Scree is a direct consumer. You're not going to find it in stores. Yeah, um, it is direct consumer off the web. So, uh, you know, with that freedom, they're able to pass down a lot of really great deals because they don't have the middleman, they don't have the manufacturing um, price structure. They can they can blow it out and restock and do a lot of different things that way, and so. You know, that's a big benefit to the consumer. It's also a big benefit when we talk about the guarantees that they offer. Um, I guess I'm glad that we went here in conclusion to this because, you know, on top of the lifetime warranty, Scree offers a, a, a customer sizing. And so, you know, what that means is it, it addresses the concern that a lot of people have. Okay, so I love to buy clothes. Um, I love to buy hunting gear, but I like to be able to try them on because I like the way they fit. You want to be able to go to a store and do that, right? Well, I mean, that, that is an issue that we have to address. So what do we do? We guarantee the sizing. You're going to get a prepaid shipping label in your box. If something doesn't fit, we handle the shipping 100% back and forth until we get you the right size or we have to uh, call it quits and, and find you another product that, that does fit. Whatever it is, we're going to guarantee to get you in the right piece of gear that fits you, and we're going to handle those shipping to get that right. Um, so that's just a... Another part of the direct consumer model where we have a, a one-on-one relationship with our customer. And uh, when you call and you talk to someone about a warranty issue or about a sizing issue or about a pre-order issue or anything, you 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 very well might be talking to one of the Yeah. It's a small company and one-on-one with the customers and uh, hope to keep it that way no matter how big the company gets. So that, that's, a, that's a big part of, of being a... A, a, a screen user and, and having that, that interaction straight with the home office uh, with whatever you need. Yeah, I love that, man. Appreciate it, Locke. Uh, that was a great ending to it all, man. I'd love that you could come on and uh, really help promote Scree and uh, talk turkey with us tonight, man. Yeah, yeah, guys. I appreciate you having me on again and um, giving us the opportunity to talk and relive the, another spring gone by. But it <laughs> sounds like y'all had a good one, and I did too. I'm not complaining. I'm I'm enjoying this phase of life and getting back on the baseball field with my son a lot more. And like I said, I was very fortunate to make most of the days I did get to hunt. So I have no complaints, but I'll tell you all this in closing. Yesterday, I got the email confirming that I drew my Kansas whitetail tag again this year. So nice. I, <laughs> I uh, uh, if I didn't have the itch, I'm starting to get one. And uh, and that's not good, man, because it's not even June yet. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Congrats. You know we're going to want to hear about that, too, man. So when you get back, oh, yeah, we call dibs. 
<laughs> that's the, I love it, man. I, I, if you if you're looking for somewhere to put on your bucket list, Southeast Kansas is the place to go for lots of reasons. Just talking about it. yes, there's really big deer that are killed every year, but just the hunt. It's it's if you can go hunt anytime in the first like from from Halloween through the middle of November. If you could, if I could have one hunt for the rest of my like, you got one hunt, you can make one more hunt. I'm going November the 7th, November the 8th in Southeast. Every time, no questions asked. Killer. I'm excited. I got my draw tag in so I can start doing way too early prepping. There you go, man. Good luck, buddy. Thanks, guys. You got it, man. Thank you. Well, a huge thank to Locke Wheeler for coming on the podcast tonight. We super appreciate him taking time out of his night, coming on, talking about his turkey season, plugging the hell out of Scree gear. It was awesome, man. That not get you fired up, man? That gets me crazy fired up, man. Holy. I mean, I, I am starting to make that switch towards Whitetail. When he's talking about the new line and the new pattern, I got I got really excited. Like just some of the stuff he's talking about with the the, the ptarmigan jacket. Yep. And they're gonna match it now with the pants. Yep. Potentially with and then I know they have another version I heard of a late season pant that was coming out. And then bibs, I mean, there it just goes on and on. It's a parka jacket, um, ladies' line. Oh, holy crap, man! <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> it's gonna be pretty yeah. epic this fall, man. I, I, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. You, you got to really. Uh, we're gonna really get you going on this, this uh, screw gear, and and you will not, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee you that. Yeah, I, I know, man. I, I just want. You know, you listen to that. If you just listen to that whole episode and, and you're still on the fence, like, man, I don't know what else. Just try one piece. Just try one piece. It's going to change your mind. I can tell you that. And you know I what? If you don't feel like spending it. money, don't buy the piece because you're you're going to buy more if you, if you buy one. And I didn't want to say it when Lonk was on, but when he was, um, you know, answering the question, well, how does it compare to Sitka? How does it compare to First Light Kuyu? Well, here's how it compares. You can go on on a really good sell and get a whole bundle of, you know, top to bottom, the whole outfit for the same price it's going to cost you for, like, one jacket and a pair of boxers at Sitka. Yep. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> it, it, in all honesty, the, the price differential is absolutely huge. Yep. There's a huge price differential there. Um, you know, and I don't I, – I have First Light stuff. And, and don't get me wrong, I love some of their stuff that I have. But dude, Scree Gear's right there. Yeah. They are, I actually have the same neck gator and hat from First Light and Scree, and I wear the Scree 99% of the time, and if it gets really cold, I'll throw the um, First Light on on top of the Scree Gear. Yeah, right. Well, but it's a testament, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't say it enough, but, you know, um, with that, we also want to mention some of the other partners that we deal with that, um, you know, I'd like to continue this kind of phase where we do full episodes on them. So yeah. I think what we'll do, um, you know, we've had Matt Pudere on, but I want to get him back on again because he's got some really exciting stuff going on. I would love to talk um, to that guy. Yeah, just signed a huge contract and, I mean, big things, big things going on at VIP, and we can't thank them enough. You know, Matt and Cindy, they're absolutely some of the greatest people on this planet. Um, you know, Matt is just a great guy, just calls at any time and we will BS back and forth. But he also makes one of the greatest broadheads on the planet with oh. the combat veteran and the veteran. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and he just posted the other day that 
you know, they are coming out with a three blade as well. And, uh, they're, they're kind of reforming their two blade veteran and it's just going to be absolute mayhem coming down the line. So huge thanks to him and, and VIP and, um, everything they do for us. Yeah, man. And you know, new canoe, man. <laughs> we've been doing a lot of fishing lately guys if you're looking for any sort of new watercraft get yourself a kayak from new canoe they're absolutely built like a brick shit house check them out newcanoe.com get on it and you know our our scree gear this whole episode that we've been talking about guys if you're even remotely interested in it go on there use the code wdp20 and get yourself 20 percent off your first purchase yep and if you do pick on those sales those sales prices again i can't emphasize it enough Please let us know. Say, hey guys, reach out. You know, send us a message on Instagram. Send us an email. Send us a Facebook message. You know, we'll respond 100%. Heck, if you find my number, text me. I don't care. Yeah. Just let me know. <laughs> hey, I bought Scree. This is what I got. Or, hey, I want to buy Scree. What do you think I should get? Because, you know, Austin and I are up here in Pennsylvania with a lot of our listener base that we can relate to what you really need. And I can tell you that I have almost the entire line of spree i went out and bought it all because i first bought a couple pieces absolutely fell in love and just bought it all but i still mostly use like a combined feature of certain products that's like that's my go-to for the most part of the season and then i use the other products when i when i really need them in those other situations so reach out to us let us know just give us the heads up you know we really appreciate it we'd love to have that conversation with you guys yeah man Oh, I was long-winded. So, all right, boys and girls, the distraction is real. Let's go.